Holman, I'm concerned. I don't think that we can squeeze all of this show into 90 minutes. Dude, we have so much going on. I- I'm telling you, if you're in your car right now and you're commuting, yeah, I hope you have a long way to work because you're going to want to <laughs> listen to this whole show. It's you may be awesome. not you may not get through it. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot. We're stuffing a lot in. We are putting a 10 gallon head into a five gallon hat, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a review of the 2019 Chevy Silverado we 1500. Do. You mean? Truck review. I can't wait to get to that, okay? (laughs) We got that. Just a little teaser. We have Randy Carlson from Sticker Shock, who is a uh, a well-known appraiser and uh, truck guy, also known in the Volkswagen uh, community as well, but loves classic cars, loves classic trucks. Um, just a super interesting dude. If you haven't seen Sticker Shock, you owe it to yourself to go see it on Velocity or Motor Trend on Demand. Yeah. And Sticker Shock is, it's a great show, but Randy is this crazy wealth of knowledge. And you're like, how did he know all that? How did he learn all that stuff? Like, yeah. we started to do a little bit of research on Randy because you and I yeah. admittedly don't know that much about him. Yeah. And it was a cold call. I just thought the guy was interesting. His, I knew him through some friends. And his was like, history is nuts. Dude, he, he has yeah. a lot of very interesting cars. I can't yeah. wait to talk to him. Yeah. And then we got uh, Jonathan Ward from uh, Icon 4x4, which is, uh, if you guys know, uh, Toyota Land Cruiser TLC. Got some crazy new derelict trucks, his new Bronco line, and uh, just another really interesting guy. And then you had a couple of interviews that you recorded where and when. Yeah, so uh, last week I was in Jackson Hole, uh, Wyoming, driving the new 2019 Silverado 1500. Uh... So our friend, the chief engineer, uh, Tim Herrick, talked to him. You're getting all chummy with the head of General Motors. I mean, he's not the head, yeah. head but you know what I'm saying. Like Engineering, he's, yeah. He, dude, he's way up there. And I'm going to see him uh, next week on another trip to drive the GMC stuff. So What? Yeah. So can you give us a little teaser? No, because we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I guess we we got, got to start the show. But first, I got to tell you, I got out of that Nissan Surf Camp, and there are two things. And by the way, you ripped me off. You said that we could trade. You were going to take yeah. my Mini, and I was going to take yeah. your- I lied. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's I, to- I totally lied. So the uh, Nissan- I drove away, and I'm like, and I was heading down, I just got on the freeway, and I go- I totally got ripped off. Yeah, you go, hey, I'll see you later, and you get yep. in your car, and I'm like, I'm not saying anything. Nope. <laughs> I just drove away, and I got on the freeway, and I'm like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Exactly. No, the uh, the Titan uh, Surf Camp, very cool concept. Uh, drove it down to the beach and kind of hung out at the beach and stuff, and uh, well, I, I missed two things about the truck. Number one, I missed the hula girl on the dash. Yeah. Because that's just awesome. Nice little touch. It's a little bit mesmerizing, you know, and you're when, when you're in a, a Did you find yourself vehicle. distracted by a hula little girl? bit? <laughs> a little bit. Although she's looking at the passenger the whole time. Oh, like the way they have it mounted. I'm like, I wonder if they did that so you wouldn't, wouldn't make eye Maybe eye, that's eye what it is. Yeah. And, and I realized, you know what I miss about the Titan? Let me guess. The Yeti cooler in the back? No, that was cool. The wheel and tire combo was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Uh, I don't miss either of those the things, The roof rack? Cool, but I didn't miss that. Hmm. How about the the wrap? It was a pretty cool wrap. No, I did not miss that either. Oh, wait a minute. What did you miss? So on a Nissan Titan, the- yeah. Automatic transmission shifters on the column instead sure. of in the console, right? Right. So it yeah. opens up the console. Well, what could be in the console? That Room you for lots of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and then you have the two cup holders that you can move in either location. They can have different spots that they click into. You have room for your wallet. You have room for Dr. Pepper bottles. And then behind your elbow, there's two additional cups. So if you're on like a long trip and How you have an empty Dr. and you can't throw you it need? away, you just move it to the back cup holder. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> the truck show. Everything in between We'll talk about trucks that run on 
Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. What's up, Pete? I'm Lightning, he's Holman. Episode 24! Thanks, guys. Thanks for I take that back. Us. I just said, what's up, peeps? Yeah, whatever. I totally take that back. That was lame. No, it, it might not be lame. And I'll give you the only reason that it might not be lame is if you're referring to those little marshmallow guys that you can <laughs> stick uh, toothpicks in and then put them in your microwave and yeah. they joust. Yeah. That's cool. Those are cool peeps. Yeah, we used to put um, firecrackers in peeps. <laughs> so, uh, should I not okay. say that? No, well, no I, I, we used to take bottle rockets and yeah. then we'd tape them to Hot Wheels yeah. and then we would race them down our street to see like whose Hot Wheels oh, would go furthest. Oh, yeah. Um, you won. About, That's better than my peeps. Story, about yeah. six or seven, one would take flight and usually end up hitting something <laughs> like a car, a tree. We were not uh, respectable youth. Um, no. <laughs> no. Actually, I mean, I was all right, but uh, you know, it, it's just, I think today it's different. Back then, I think it was boys being boys. A lot, of, lot more today. pranks were acceptable back then. Yeah, I think everything's a felony now. Yeah. <laughs> Hello? Mr. Randy Carlson, Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. How you do? I am doing fantastic, guys. <laughs> Everything good? Fantastic. Yes, absolutely. Before we're allowed to talk to you, we got to play an intro for you. So hang tight. Hang in. Pull up a stool and share. Pull up a stool and Randy, pull up a stool and share some <laughs> stories with us. <laughs> I would rather pull up a stool than out a stool. So. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, we could not agree more. Could not agree more. So, uh, so Randy, this is uh, this is Holman, and um, obviously we uh, we know a bunch of the same people, and saw you on your new show, uh, Velocity Sticker Shock, and uh-huh. we had uh, one of my buddies, Dennis Pittenbarger, on a couple episodes ago, and I noticed on the show that when any cool truck came across the screen. You were the uh, appraiser that, uh, that that sort of uh, talked about it. So I thought, hey, Lightning, let's see if Randy wants to come on the truck show because I bet he has some cool stories to tell, and I'd love to see what appraisers look at these days. Now that you mention it, they did kind of push all the trucks my direction, which uh, I hadn't really thought about until you just said it. But <laughs> Randy, Lightning here, I have a question. So how are you enjoying the show? Is it as fun as it is it as fun to do the show as it is to watch? It was an absolute blast. You know, I've done some other TV things, and and a lot of them are are kind of filled with tension, and you know, there's egos involved, and so on and so forth. But but this production, everybody on it, everybody involved was so incredibly positive. I, I couldn't wait to get there. I couldn't wait to do it and to talk to people. And I didn't want to leave when it was over. I was like the first one there, last one out every day when you're doing your appraisal and you're walking around the vehicle and then they put it up on the lift and you're looking on the under- undercarriage and whatnot there's about eight or ten people way in the warehouse just kind of <laughs> chilling out doing nothing i'm like who are those people just hanging out behind there you know i i don't know if they're real or just holograms or <laughs> some strange loop, but it, it was kind of strange during production it's like the extras that wandered around the uh, the but, car show scene were kept separate from everybody as if they were non-human or something. Those were the but, people that were told craft services was free if they're hungry. Yeah. Come walk around this set for uh, a couple hours and we'll how, feed you. How did you get hooked up with Sticker Shock? It was kind of funny. I saw a casting call uh, thing for it looking for cars with interesting stories and it was something that production had put out through social media and stuff and I went, wow, this has a cool vibe to it. So I sat down and started filling out one of the forms to submit one of my cars for appraisal. 
And I got really into it. I wrote this like big long half hour diatribe and then I went to submit it and the computer glitched out and all my hard work went away and I said, Forget oh, this. I'm, I'm like out of here. So I got up and I drove off uh, to the post office to mail something off. And while I was on the way to the post office, my phone rings and it was a buddy of mine uh, who had submitted his car to the show and got picked up. And he knew somebody that was, uh, you know, one of the producers on the show. And they said, hey, they're looking for somebody that really knows cars. And I thought you might be a good one. And so within, you know, 10 minutes, I, I kind of went up the phone chain up to the executive producer, uh, who was a, a guy I've worked with before on Monster Garage, uh, also on Overhauling. And we've kind of kept in touch at all these years. So it was uh it was kind of meant to be you know once we were on the phone together it was like oh this has to happen so it, it was cool that's awesome so what's your uh what's your background with uh appraising i know you sort of have your fingers in a lot of things you've got your uh, your oldbug.com you've got carchaeology california car you're you're really well uh i guess steeped in in the classic car market if you will and and you mm-hmm. seem to have uh, an affection for trucks including mini trucks i mean there's so much to talk about Really, if it's got engine and wheels and you can call it almost a car or a truck, it's something I'm excited about. My my interest level is a really, really super broad range of stuff. Um, and, of course, you know, being in the industry and running a business that is all about selling cars, uh, you really kind of have your finger in the on the pulse of what stuff is selling for. So it's something I've always studied. Um, something I've always been into and, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't get a dozen calls of people trying to describe their car to me <laughs> and asking me what it's worth. That's so, like when you're sick and you call the doctor and you're like, Hey, I've got this, uh, this sniffle and then I've got a red line going up my arm and, uh, my, my, I can't feel anything in my left foot. What's, what's the diagnosis doc, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I mean, seriously, that, that call, you know, I, People give me a little rough description of their car. Oh, I've got a, you know, a 74 Ford Courier, you know, it's it's kind of beat up and whatever. And they go on and tell me, you know, 15 minutes worth of information on it. And then I know the next question is, what's it worth? Well, you know, I, I have a pretty vivid imagination, but it's not always right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always kind of throw it back to them. And it's like, you know, what's a diamond worth what someone's well, willing, yeah, to pay what for it. willing to pay of course like a diamond could be the same size as another diamond but the one that's got the perfect clarity and all of that is going to be worth multiple times what one that's kind of mucked up is so you know it's impossible to put a number on something you can't see but still every single day i get a dozen calls people wanting me to do that but uh, it's all a part of the business and it's all it's well, all cool. so Randy you say it's part of the business what is the business what what have you done for the last umpteen years that's made you this expert before or I should say first you were a car you were a car fan as a youth you know and now you're a professional what is this profession well basically the websites that I run the old bug website as well as California car um, dot com that both of those sites are vehicle marketing sites so people advertise their vehicles on the site but it's not like auto trader or something like that where they just create a quick ad you know they send me the information i do a nice professional write-up give history on the cars try to point out all the good and all the bad and create you know a real nice presentation for a vehicle for sale so you know people come to me and and 
want me to ride it up and speak their car up and have it be something cool. Um, and so I do that. All so the you're time. writing up cars before they go on your site, but are you doing anything for like the Meekum auction or Barrett Jackson stuff like that? Are you are you writing bios for cars? Well, basically writing bios for cars, but or writing advertisements for cars on my sites. Uh, so I'm doing that quite a bit. I mean, I play around in the market as well. I've sold cars at auction. I've bought cars at auction. I, you know, I'm always playing around with that sort of thing. Um, you know, I do do quite a few professional appraisals, you know, official ones that are all written up for insurance purposes for people and, and that sort of thing. So most of that that I do seems focused on the brands that I've been so, you know, deeply into. Um, so going out and doing the sticker shock thing, it gave me a chance to really flex my automotive muscle outside of the realm that everybody knows me for, which is mostly the VW stuff and things like that. Has anyone ever come to you and tried to slip you extra cash to give it a better write-up than the car or truck was worth? <laughs> well, I, I mean, everybody wants their car to be worth a ton. You know, it's uh, you know everybody's personally invested in it, uh, whether it be mentally or financially. You know, yeah, I spent eighty grand restoring this car. It's got to be worth that. Well, not, no, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> not so much. You know, you, you can't put value on that stuff, and you need to be able to back it up. You know, when I do a full written appraisal, I need to show comps and I need to back up why I'm putting a number on something. When you're appraising a a, a vehicle, what's the biggest mistake uh, that you see people doing? Is it fixing something that didn't need to be fixed, cleaning something up when a patina was good? Is it um, just the emotions of overvaluing their vehicle and not really knowing what they have? What would you say is the the biggest mistake? It's hard to pick one mistake that's bigger than another. But the hard part is, you know, an appraisal is really a personal opinion of something. So the difficulty sometimes comes like with modified cars, you know, it's a personal taste thing. The more a car is modified, the more it's made for that person. So it's hard to, you know, it's really hard to put a number on something like that, especially if it's something that I look at and I want to throw up in my mouth a little because it's not <laughs> modified. <laughs> you know? An appraisal is not a fixed number. I mean, you can't take that to the bank uh, and expect to, you know, get that number in the real world. You know, there's a lot of different levels of appraisal. You know, you've got your replacement value. If somebody stole it, you had to find another one that was equivalent quickly. You know, that number is going to be higher than what a fair market appraisal would be if you needed to sell the car. So let's say my uh, my grandpa leaves me an old truck and I want to have it appraised. What does something like that even cost? At $250, $2,500? I, I don't have a clue. Um. Two fifty, you hit it right on the on oh. the head. I mean, that's that's what I charge for a um, you know a basic written appraisal of something. You know, if uh, plus travel time or something, if I need to go somewhere, then you know they're covering my expenses. And do people shop your appraisal around and use it kind of like um, cash, like a passport? Like this is official. This is what Randy Carlson says. <laughs> like, is it? I mean, oh god, I hope the guy not. from TV said I should get this much money. <laughs> what do you look for? In an appraisal situation, let's say uh, go back to Lightning and his grandpa gave him an old truck and he says, Randy, here's 250 bucks. I, I needed appraisal. What are the types of things that you're looking for? It's, let's say this isn't anything you know special. 
Uh, it's probably a, a driver, a survivor, something that uh, has had you know aftermarket maintenance parts put now, on it. Wait a it. minute, hold on. You're about to back Randy into a spot, the spot he doesn't like being in, which is he <laughs> doesn't right, know the vehicle. We just did it. Right? <laughs> How dare you do that to my man? We're, we're trying to be friends with him. Let, oh. here, let me give you my PayPal account. You can drop a little cash in there, and then we'll roll. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. We talked about like what gave you the authority, and you've been around cars this whole time. But Randy, give us your background. I'm tell us about your first truck. What I see a '58 Chevy you've got in your history, and you're driving a <laughs> yeah. you're driving a 2016 Ram 1500 right now. So, but you're a bug guy. Like I'm so confused. You have all these things <laughs> in your past, but then you're did I, did I hear right that you've got a, a real live mini truck in in your midst? A vintage Survivor mini truck. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. People look at me, like all my buddies that I grew up with and stuff they, that are still in the cars and stuff, I, I think everyone looks at me and thinks I'm completely insane. And and I can't argue with that because none of my collecting makes any sense to anybody. <laughs> you know, like there's, there's Camaro guys, like Dennis, you know. Yes. He's a Camaro guy. Yes, he right? is. That's it. That's his thing. And he loves it. And he's into it deep. And I dig that. But. I want to touch in as many different car sectors as I possibly can and experience all of it. So, you know, there's new stuff to learn. Mission accomplished, my friend. (laughs) Yeah. It's very (laughs) diverse, as we like to say. Yes. You know, that diversity is so fun for me. So, you know, I've got everything in my garage from a, you know, a Model T Ford to, um, to that mini truck, which is kind of a nutty thing. And there's, got a 356 Porsche. I've got a 57 Lincoln with tail fins a mile high. Um, you know, it's, it's everything. Just give me variety. You know, it's the spice of life. And I now it sounds like, it sounds like Randy, you're going and giving some low appraisals and and buying some cars <laughs> off guys like oh no that's worth like a grand <laughs> like I'll, I'll pick it up from you I'll, you know I'll give you fifteen hundred bucks for it just to get it off your hands I'll right just now. trade it for the uh, two hundred fifty dollar appraisal fee How about exactly. I just bring it over and drop it off <laughs> you know I, I on occasion cars do land in my lap <laughs> <laughs> well I, I have to uh, so we kind of have a running joke in in the truck show podcast it seems like every guest every episode at some point in their lives have crossed paths with mini trucking. And it's like the seven six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's totally it's the Kevin Bacon of the truck world. <laughs> and what's funny is when I started, you know, journalism it, it almost twenty years ago, you know, there was like the hardcore mini truck guys, but they were always sort of snickered at now the corner of their you know, people's eye, they're like, freaking mini truckers, right? But it's like everybody oh, who's totally. successful now is like, oh yeah, I had a mini truck once. And then I'm reading the the uh, email you sent, and I have to describe this thing to our, to our listeners because it's really funny. So Randy writes, I've got an 86 Toyota Extra Cab long bed with eight 15-inch woofers behind the front seat and a bed full of amplifiers, early 90s, uh, mini truck and cover car. So we've had other mini truck and cover wait, so cars this on is, here. Wait, you said mid-90s trucking magazine so, cover mini truck? Mini trucking. Okay. Mini trucking, okay. yeah. Uh, still in body kit. All period goofy stuff, which is hilarious because I used to work at Still, and I remember the body kits that you could get for those. Um, form, uh, let's see, formulating uh, steering wheel, uh, Vitaloni Testarossa mirrors, an antenna shaped like an EKG heartbeat that matches. <laughs> hold on, wait for it. The pink graphics down the side. Oh, no! the, the best thing that Randy said in this whole thing was, if Barbie's Ken had a truck in the late 80s, this would be it. And uh, the fact that it's an untouched survivor, and literally when Randy writes on here, it's untouched survivor. I think he means it. Because it has a VCR in it, 
with a VHS tape of Top Gun still in the truck <laughs> from that day. <laughs> This isn't true, right, Randy? There's no, no way. No, no, this, this is this is real. <laughs> when you come across something like that, you know, how do you say no? You can't. I, it's impossible. Oh, so wait a minute. Wait, this was not yours from back in the day. You bought this just no, as I is. This. So were you a mini trucker? Did you have any <laughs> mini truck affiliation back in the day? Or now you just saw this and you're like, I must I gotta have, have it. This. I must have this. <laughs> well, okay, I, I will admit that I was never a mini trucker back in the day, but I was always I had buddies that were mini truckers and Well you I, were in a, you in, were in a Volkswagen. So that I was, was kind of like Volkswagen. Volkswagens and the mini truckers got along. Yeah, they, they all had, hung out. They were all dragging well, something, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean we we would be we both got, you know, kind of pissed on by hot, the hot rodders yep. and stuff. And so you know, it was the Island of Misfit toys. You'd go to shows, <laughs> you'd, you'd see the uh, the mini trucks, and you'd see the Volkswagens, and you know, all of us had big speakers, and it was all all good fun. And and I even had pink um, heartbeat uh, EKG stripes so awesome. on my Volkswagen back in the day. So, so it's kismet. It's just like the show where your computer died, and then you had to uh, you got the call anyway. This sort of like that truck was calling to you, right? I you know I guess so. I mean I. Again, I, I want to experience as many different things as I can, and there's certain, I don't know, there's certain points in time that you want to go back and remember. So that whole 80s scene with the mini trucks and the big stereos and the big hair and the members-only jackets, and, <laughs> you know, all that goofy stuff. I mean, it's that awesome. Was, it's that so was awesome. life, man. I was, I was loving all of that. If you so. want to see the truck, uh, Randy said there's a bunch of hashtags. Uh, hashtag low for show on Instagram and, and the old uh, <laughs> low for show. Yeah, and the old uh, and the old mini truck will come now, up. Now tell it's me, awesome. all right, Randy, tell me about cruising this thing. You've got it. What, what part of town are you in? You're in L.A., right, or no? Uh, no, I'm out near Temecula, so oh, okay. Inland Empire, but just just north of uh, San Diego. Tell right. me you've cruised that thing. You've gone down to San Diego through the gas lamp district or something. <laughs> Taking on. some bots dots off the uh, highway. <laughs> I, I have gone nowhere in it and have shown it to no one except for oh. photos on oh. but, I, you just... but it's coming. So All there's, right. There's a show called Radwood. I don't know if you've heard of it. Radwood? Radwood. So it's like the Goodwood Revival in England, only rad. <laughs> So, <laughs> tell us more. Tell us more. About tell us more. <laughs> it, it's all 80s and 90s era cars <gasps> and clothing and lifestyle kind of stuff. Dude, I want to go there so bad. Oh, dude. They did one in Anaheim uh, last December. Oh. And when I found out about it, I think it started up in Northern California. And it was just like, oh, this is way too fun. You know, I, I can relive all those. Dude, jams, shorts, bugle boys. Uh, I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy's. Jimmy's, yeah. Jimmy's, yeah. <laughs> and they had, you know, the music going. They had, you know, everybody's dressed in period gear. OP. You know, I, OP stuff. You've got your, you know, the members only jackets. You've got your checkered bands. You've got, you know, just. I, all the way, you know, even some of the weird, crazy, like, style auto and Benetton. By the way, I'm wearing my jacket. checkered vans right now. That's literally part of my normal <laughs> attire, even to this day. So. You and Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> you know, I, I roll my checkered vans every day. You know, I always have my slip-ons on. Yeah. Hey, by the way, yeah. you know, Weird Al Yankovic getting a star on the Walk of Fame. 
Hollywood Walk of Fame. Is he really? Yes, is he? he is. Yeah, he wow. is. Yeah. Sorry. He should. Thinking about the he 80s. He really should. He, well, he <laughs> is. Yeah. 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 So this is, uh, well, that's that's so funny. I was hoping that you're like, oh, yeah, I used to cruise this car. But <laughs> I can appreciate that you saw it like it's a, it was the diamond you had to have, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I like things that are sort of icons of certain periods, right? When you look at that, it immediately takes you back to that time. And the reactions to, you know, people that have come to my place and seen it, and the responses from people online, too, it's like everybody remembers those mini trucks. And, you know, now people that were building those cars back in the day are older and they're more well settled and, and they've got their kids and their house and all of that. And, but they, no, and they long for the mini truck yeah, scene. No one's got the totally. cojones to, uh, no, one, no, no one except for Randy, of course, to, to own one of these things these days. Well, no, I disagree. I mean, there's like this whole little movement of that stuff being saved. I mean, we had an epic truck uh, show up on the show. We talked about uh, that with Dennis. The uh, That was also a mini truck and cover truck. It was called the Last Something, the Last Stand? No. Last the, Look. Last, last look. look, yeah. And, and that truck, you know, if you look at the mini truck and scene as a whole, if there is a pinnacle for the rise of the craziest, wildest, most insane mini truck, uh, it was the, it was last look. Yeah, you know, it was on the cover of magazines around the world. It was not only you know celebrated in the mini truck scene, but also in the airbrush art scene because of the graphics on it. There were a lot of things that were done to that truck that just blew people away. I mean, it was one of the first uses of you know carbon fiber poking through a graphic, and you know just tons and tons and tons of stuff. And you know. I look at the mini truck scene as really being, you know, the first time that Americans took a Japanese vehicle and made it their own phenomenon. You know, I never thought about it that way, but but that's that. I mean, sort of. If you think about it, the mini truck scene might have even been ahead of some of the uh, the Civic and uh, way ahead right? of that scene, right? No, because like I mean, when you're that... putting a B18 in uh, a CRX Hatchy or something like that. Um, that was badass, but I guess now they think about the mini trucks were ahead of that. Yeah, mini trucks were way ahead of that. I'll so. admit, I, I w- actually was in the sport compact scene. I started out with a Ford Ranger. I always had the bigger truck than all my friends. My Ranger got totaled. And so I kind of thought about, well, I'll back up. My first car car was my dad's hand-me-down 1987 Accord LXI, which was just a great car, but it was my dad's car. Served right. me great in high school. And I'm like, I gotta, I'm going to get four by four trucks. So I got my Ranger, my 94 Ranger. And then I'm like, yeah, you know what? Uh, that new Civic Si looks pretty good. So in 2000, after my truck got totaled, we all wanted a Civic Si. Well, it had the 1.6, oh, yeah. so it was basically like an Acura Integra, right? That mm-hmm. ha- that was affordable. You could get, you know, the Type R. A lot of the stuff of the Type R was sort of a little bit in the Civic, and then people would do like 1.8 B18A swaps into the, you know, and replace the 1.6 liter. But that thing was so much fun. I had a Integra Type R suspension. I had plus zero wheel and tire package. I had a suspension te- techniques, rear sway bar, tie bar <laughs> combo. I used to go um, autocrossing in it. And it was so funny because in that car, it was so neutral. I could almost drift even though it was front wheel drive. And I would pass everybody in the turns and get my ass whooped on the straightaways. But it was so much fun. And then at some point, I just got tired of it. I wanted to go back to trucks. I ended up getting my, my Ranger that I w- turned into a long travel 4x4 pre-runner. Oh, you're getting way too deep for me. Take <laughs> <laughs> like, heartbeat graphics and big freaking speakers that'll blow my eardrums out. And wings. <laughs> now, tell me, Randy, did you fire up the, uh, the sound system? Does it still, is it still in good shape? 
Uh, you know, I'm I'm struggling with it right now. That's that's a part of the reason why I haven't cruised it anywhere is that I can't do it without the boom. So I I just actually just yesterday got a key piece uh, in that uh, you know trying to find that vintage equipment that actually functions to keep it all. Period. What, I'm, I'm dying to know what kind of system is it running. Oh my God, I don't even know what it is. Do you know what kind you of know, speakers they are? No, I don't. I mean, Back in the day, it was the, you either had like Sherwin Vegas. It was before JL and all that stuff. Because all the kids are like, oh, you got to have JL or whatever yeah. today. But there was it was Sherwin Vegas, Piledriver. Uh, what were the other big brands? Rockford. Um, guys were taking stuff yeah, like they Rockford were. Yeah, was Rockford big. was. Eh, yeah, it was getting big. Yeah. yeah. Looking back at the history of the truck, it was it was built in Anaheim, and there was somebody local there that was kind of doing the the install of all of that. So I've had the speakers out. There's a brand name on them, but it's not one of the big names. Uh, the amplifiers, uh, any markings on them have been covered over. Um, I bet it's so got big it, Orion, like two ohm amps. Everyone had those giant, giant like, yeah. yeah, they were like 36 inches long and they got hot as hell too. Yeah. I mean, this, this might be a little bit prior to that as far as the, the pieces. Um, I just want to know if the VCR plays through the sound system so that Top Gun can be played at full blast. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all about getting all of that working. And the moment that I've got it really hammering and pounding and stuff, then, uh, you know, I want to bring it somewhere. And, oh, yeah. And well, you got to let us Holman and I are jumping in the car, and we're going to take a road trip down to uh, Temecula, wherever the heck yeah. you're at. Yeah. Uh, also, you, you talked about your uh, 70s F-250, and it's hashtag CowboyF250 on Instagram. And you said there's a great story, and you have. I looked at your Instagram pictures, and you have a basically a Hot Wheel, and then behind the Hot Wheel is the exact same truck as the Hot Wheel. <laughs> so what's the story there? <laughs> well, okay, I, I went to Scottsdale to the car auctions out there, and I had I was selling a car at the auction, and it had shipped out ahead of me, and and that sort of thing. And I thought, okay, I'm going to ride my motorcycle off across the desert out to Arizona and hang out for auction week. Um, so I got on my bike and I rode across the desert, beautiful ride, beautiful day. And about midway through the week, the weather turned gnarly and it started dumping rain and looking ahead at the weekend, my planned time to go home. It looked like it was going to be really brutal and a potential of snow on the pass that I take to get back to my place. So I hit Craigslist <laughs> and, <laughs> and I came up with this pickup truck uh, and I rode out to take a look at it. And it was a 79 F-250 that had belonged to this uh, this guy's grandfather. 460 in uh, it, I'm guessing? Uh, 351M? Yeah, or oh, 400. A, okay, so it was an M motor. Yeah. But it was root beer brown. It had like pinstripes on it. But it had the pinstripes light. with like bullhorns and licks on it. It was really cool. Totally. No, the, <laughs> the, the stripes on the front hood kind of mimicked bullhorns. It had a, a cowboy hat rack in the uh, on the headliner <laughs> in the thing. It uh, it had the steps. It had the sliding window. It was the, the and it had the full bottom. trim. You cannot find on a dent side Ford all that trim today. And it has no. not. In the, I, there might be one company that does it, and the quality is not very good. But it had the full like upper dent side molding that had the uh, the rubber in it, and then it has the lower molding that follows the lower body line above the wheel arches and stuff. It's cool. It's I mean, cool. it was a another like killer 
icon sort of thing where you look at it and immediately you're stuck back to the 70s. I had to have it. I brought some cash with me. I bought the thing. We went across the street to a, a tire shop. Randy, you, wait, wait, there. you can't skip past the price tag. How much was it? Uh, what did I pay for the thing? I think I paid like five grand for the truck. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's not too so, bad. Yeah. No, it was a great deal. Good truck. And, and it was just freaking cool. So we, we get my motorcycle. I had this giant BMW LT big touring bike. Yeah. You know, lazy boy on wheels and got that up into the back, lashed it all down. Then I had my ride, you know, for the rest of the, the week. And then the car that I sold at auction went real big. So I struck gold. I stopped and bought a cowboy hat and a plaid <laughs> the desert victorious and, uh, you know, shot photos along the way and even posed for kind of a crazy selfie Marlboro man pose, you know, in front of the truck at sunset as I rolled back into town. So it was <laughs> the, the, the best picture is the uh, picture of the sunset and like an Arizona two lane highway with a dog that looks like it's driving the truck. Like that's right. the best. That's the well, you got to see. That one was later. I didn't have my dog with me. Oh trip, man, that's but, just yeah. a great photo for that. So truck. you guys can follow along. He's at Bug and Box. That's B U G N B O X. Bug and Box. That's Randy Carlson. Are you? Uh, can we get into a game? With, uh, hey, you want to do, do the game show with Randy real quick? I, I would like to do that. Yeah. All right. We've got like five questions for you. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a little fun with it, Randy. Bring it on. All right. All right are we ready? Here we go. Let's see if we, we're going to, we're going to do this, uh, this intro live. Yeah, we're gonna, we're going to mess it up. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to screw it yep. All right. I'm scared. Okay, here right. we go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's time for This or That. All right. That was it. That was, that, that was horrible. <laughs> but the music is awesome. The music should go with that uh, Let, Let's soak it in. Where did you find this audio? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, same place he found his, his 70s truck. On Craigslist? Exactly. All right. All right. So this is called This or That. Okay. So so knowing that you uh, have your appraiser roots, we thought we would pit a few things uh, against each other just to see what your opinion was. So uh, 67 to 72 C10 versus 67 to 72 F100, except the C10's a long bed and the F100's a short bed. Uh <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to go for the short bed. Yeah, yeah, nice. Bed. All right. How about a first generation Ford Lightning versus a Shelby Dakota? Oh, bring on the Lightning! Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, bring on the Lightning. I mean, that was a hell of a truck. It was. You know, it, I, it was, was cool. It was cool. It, you know, it had the little lightning graphic on the back. I remember that. Yeah, at 351, and it had the cool uh, cast alloys. And I, we were kind of going, you know, wondering if because the Shelby was maybe rare, but I, I agree. I like the lightning better. Okay. Uh, you know, the whole Shelby thing's kind of, you know, once they started putting Shelby logos on, on everything, like, stickers, Dodge Omnis, <laughs> yeah. no. I, I, I agree. All right. Uh, an original survivor with patina and no rust or a concourse restoration. Any vehicle. Oh, just give me patina. All day long. I, know, like, patina, I like the answer. I mean, the okay, value, sure, some of the some of that, you know, perfect concourse stuff is big money, but for drivability, love it, live it, have fun with it. Give me patina. More value in the future. A current Ford Raptor or a current Ram Power Wagon? Oh, I'm gonna say Raptor. You think so? All yeah. Right. 
We thought for sure you would choose Power, power Wagon. Yeah. Because we were, we were thinking the Power Wagon probably is less, and now the Raptor sort of become a status symbol, whereas the Power Wagon is sort of like the best kept secret. So it's it's I, we're, we're strug- we struggled with that one to figure out what you what uh, you might say. I mean, a, a lot of times, you know, as far as market value, it's not driven by rarity; it's driven by experience. There's going to be a lot more people that have had that Raptor Ooh. down the road that are going to want to have one back. All right, I, I, I like that. All right, and then the bonus. That, question. By the way, that's why he's a professional. Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, all right, and the bonus question: Better for a first date, truck with a bench seat or truck with a camper shell? Oh, bench seat. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, that was this or that. <laughs> that music is horrible, yeah, but awesome horrible. at the same yeah. time. Yeah. It's awesome. I Very love good. it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Randy Carlson. All right. So Sticker Shock, is, does it air at a uh, at a normal time on Velocity? It, it's mid-season right now, so you can find it. Um, f- check your listings for when it is on uh, on Velocity, but you can also, I believe, find it on Motor Trend On Demand now. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's where I saw it the other night. Okay, good. Yep. Now, I think it's Tuesday nights at 10 Eastern on Velocity, but everybody's cable provider is a little different. So I think it airs at 6 o'clock here at my place. and. Who knows where everywhere else, but but it's cool to cool to see it pop up on Velocity. I think we're on the third episode tonight, and then there's going to be you know another ten to go. So. I mean, if you're into cars and trucks and and you love that, you love the antique roadshow kind of vibe, but you want it modernized, and that's this show, and it's, yeah, it's and, fun and it's neat too because I, I you know even watching you'll learn something because if you're into cars, if you're into trucks, if you're into something different. This show really covers everything. You'll find something that that's. Different. Well, I like when the guys roll in and they think it's worth fifty grand, yeah. and Randy's like, eh, "It's like eighteen grand." <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, <laughs> crushed. Yeah, it, I don't it, need it your was, advice. I'm going to go sell it, it elsewhere. <laughs> it was it was kind of fun to bust a couple balls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. That's uh, Randy Carlson from Sticker Shock. You can find him on Instagram at Bug and Box. And uh, Randy, thanks so much for carving out the time for us and uh, and uh, having some fun at the Truck Show podcast. Absolute blast, guys! I appreciate it very much. Great, Great. fun. All Talk right, to you. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Randy. All right, bye bye. Holman, before we move on, I want to ask people to smash that subscribe button. We want you coming back every week for a podcast. And if you can, if you feel like it's worthy. Give us a five-star review. It means a lot to us. We actually just met with iTunes, and they're pretty pumped on what we're doing. So not to pull the curtain back too far, but uh, we're, we're excited about it, and we hope you are too. So those five-star reviews really mean a lot to us and to our sponsor, uh, Nissan. They would be super stoked. And you know what? It's been a long time since we've had a little truck news. Oh, I got some truck news for you. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Oh! Oh, we did it! <laughs> I thought for sure we'd be a little rusty. No, no, no. I, I, I had to give it extra oh! Because it's been like three shows since we've done this. All right, what's new in trucks, Holmet? Oh, uh, nothing. What's new in trucks? <laughs> we need to know. Hey, so this is pretty cool. The, uh, the Ford Ranger configurator just hit the website. At FordVehicles.com. Ooh. So you can actually price out the new Ranger. Starts at 25395 If you head over to TruckTrend.com, you can see a story that Brett Evans did. So, yeah, so so Brett played with a configurator, and uh, so it goes all the way from a base XL to Super Cab. So, like, a, a base Super Cab XL, two-wheel drive, costs 27000 a Lariat 
35000 In between those is the XLT at 31 Adding four-wheel drive is about $4,000, depending on the model. What? Dude. So, okay, mid-sized truck, okay. 2.3, EcoBoost, turbo four-cylinder, right? right? Similar to Mustang. Yes. So if any Mustang owners uh, will be familiar with that engine. 10-speed automatic, similar to what's in the Although, Raptor. how many Mustang owners are buying that engine? Most aren't, aren't no, most like the, the V8s? Well, I mean, that's what I would buy. Yeah. But I think there's plenty of people who can't afford a V8 or just want the Mustang lifestyle. I don't okay. know. Right. We're truck guys. What the hell do we know? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> so anyway, Brett takes the configurator, clicks every single box for a uh, Lariat. Yes. Super Crew. Yes. 4x4. Yes. Let me guess. Hold on. Added the fancy white paint that I guess is a pearl or something. So that has an additional $595. Premium B&O Play audio system. Every exterior option package. All right, can you guess? Um, uh, I say. Price is right rules? Under, over? Or what are we doing? What's, uh, I say, uh, yeah, uh, over, under? Okay. Under, over, over, under? Over, under, I don't know. Whatever what it is. is. Don't, don't okay. go over. Price I is right rules. I say uh, 44.5. You think a midsize truck is $44,500? Yeah. A midsize truck. A crew cap 4x4 Super Crew Lariat midsize truck is 44 Oh, no, no, I know. I'm smoking crack. Hold on a second. <laughs> 615. No. <laughs> no you're what are you doing? 45,145. What? Hey, what are you doing to me? I was I right on. I know. Price is right, hey, rules you won. <laughs> <laughs> I was right on, dude. But seriously, forty-five grand for a mid-sized truck. Well, that's damn, I know, but son. You, yeah, but I mean, you had all the indicators that the Larry and everything. I, I mean, know. but come damn, on. son. Well, why are you giving? <laughs> ah. Okay, so here's my not in truck news. So apparently, Volkswagen's considering production version of the Atlas Tano. Did you just say Volkswagen? Volkswagen. Okay. He is considering a production version of the. You're sick. Your ears don't even work right <laughs> no, now. I, seriously, I can't anybody, hear. I can't hear right now. He has his headphones turned up to about 11. Yeah. <laughs> Just unbelievable. He, he walked in the studio and he goes, well, my voice doesn't sound too bad, but I'm not going to be able to hear the show. And I said, no, I can't. when you edit it, it'll be like you heard it for the first time. <laughs> Levels are going to be all over the oh, place. Oh my God. Sorry about that. Um, That's my new cool brand, the Volkswagen. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, all right. So yeah. if you remember... Seriously, stop it. Oh, thank you, thank you. Oh, man. So if if you look at it... Sorry, guys. I am hopped up on so much medicine right now. You have no idea. And I don't mean like quote-unquote medicine, like actual... Like Dayquil and yeah, Nyquil yeah, mixed. Yes. <laughs> All right. So there, it's a mid-sized pickup concept, the Tanoke, that came out a while ago based on the Atlas SUV, so unibody platform. So that's why I'm saying this is the not truck news, because do we need a Honda Ridgeline competitor? Did we already talk about how that's not a truck? Yeah, it's not a truck. Move on. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And then in other news, Ford and Volkswagen may collaborate on the 2025 Ranger and Amarok pickup trucks. Could be... That could bring the uh, the actual body on. People frame. are gonna hate me after this episode. <laughs> Hold horrible. on, a second. Sorry. I hate you I'm right sorry, now. Guys. All right, I won't do anymore. No more. <laughs> it's horrible. Except the game show music is awesome. I won't. Uh, I won't do anymore after this. <laughs> <laughs> no, that needs to be a normal part of what we do because it's freaking hilarious. <laughs> oh, you know what? This reminds me of a day that we were trying to do news, and you're talking about Raptor shocks being <laughs> filled with magnets or yeah. something. I don't know. That's the last time we lost it on what's new in trucks. I don't
I don't know where you found all those, but they're, they're all gold. They're all gold. All right, I'm moving on from Ford and Volkswagen. Who cares? Yeah. Whatever. Um, did you know the Ford F-Series Super Duty and F-250 and F-450 uh, forms were cut by our spies? No. Tell me more. Yeah, it just looks like the current truck with a bunch of camo on it. <laughs> but we hear that uh, there may be a 7-liter V8 under the hood for, as the gas Whoa. option. Whoa. So um, that's uh, that's pretty healthy. Replacing the V10 in the chassis cabs and the kind of mileage in the 6.2. What do you suppose the 7-liter V8 is going to kind of mileage well, I, you get there? If you have a big work truck with a 50-gallon tank, you probably don't care. No, you don't. 10? It's quick to start and magnetic mount allows you effortlessly You know, right from your dash. If you if you had a physical button for the 15 second skip ahead, <laughs> the paint would be worn off. Our listeners are like, think it's a screen, so I can use it over and over again. You, I swear to God, after this episode, you won't know what that button does. Okay, and then the last thing uh, along the lines of the all new uh, Chevy Silverado 1500, the 2019 Chevy is now including a trailering label on the driver's door jam tied to the specific truck's VIN. So it basically takes into account powertrain, towing, and payload packages. And now that is yes. cool. That is smart. And optional equipment. It'll include the truck's gross vehicle weight rating, gross combined weight rating, maximum payload, maximum tongue weight, and curb weight. Each individual truck will get that label on the uh, 2019 Silverado 1500. That is smart. So um, that's it for what's new in trucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that works. I do. Oh, you do? I you do. Want, I love it. You want to keep it? No. Well, <laughs> I, I might want to keep it. we got to hear how this episode goes and how much hate mail, by the way, truckshowpodcast no, at gmail.com. No, because now they're all going to say, listen, guys, I'm just joking around. We're not going to do it next episode. It was a one-time thing. I'm just saying. I, I've, I've got half a bottle of NyQuil in me right now. Thought it was funny. I'm apologizing. You've done it. This just, is this the lightning apology tour week just, or something? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> and you can tell. So I met us, I'm all hopped up because I, I gave you like crazy accolades after the Tim Herrick interview. Yeah, that never happens. And then I, and then here I am doing doing this stuff here, playing some some wacky. Yeah, I don't know music. why you have all the buttons. Because uh, I'm awesome. No, <laughs> I am awesome. And ladies and gentlemen, lightning is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to keep that last piece, just that for something. Like you like just da 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 da. Yeah. Moving right along on the Truck Show podcast, Holman. We've been teasing everyone for an episode and a half about your truck reviews. Can we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Truck review. Yeah. Rolling golden dragon truck bus. Hey everybody, this is Sean Holman with the Truck Show Podcast and I am uh, sitting with Tim Herrick. You may remember him as being the uh, chief engineer for GM's full-size trucks and we are in a 2019 Chevy Silverado hanging out in beautiful Wyoming. That is beautiful here. Man, so we just did what, about a 100 mile drive or so? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. And uh, we're in a uh, 2019 Silverado High Country. This is the 6.2 truck with a 10-speed automatic. And last time we had you on the podcast, we really couldn't talk too much about uh, how the driving impressions or, or you know, more in-depth about the vehicle. Uh, today, I actually got to drive it, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But what are some of the things about the Silverado we can finally uh, tell our listeners? Well, talk about the driving impressions. Talk about the, the great drive. We put a lot of... Uh, a lot of time and effort into the ride and handling for the truck, how smooth it is. I got a chance to you know, just soak up the great conversation with you guys sitting <laughs> in the back seat. I got a question for you. Yeah. 
He's an executive. Yeah. He is a really big, big wig. Yeah. Head of engineering uh-huh. at General Motors. Yeah. In charge of $65 billion in sales, you ultimately. Yeah. Is he cool in person? Yeah, he's way cool. I mean, is he is he wearing like shorts? No, I mean, we're on a drive, so everybody's dressed up. But no, I mean, he's casual. He's not wearing a business suit out in the middle of Wyoming and Jacksonville <laughs> or anything. But no, he, he's, he's honestly a cool person. I actually, I've known him for a little while. Um, we had dinner one night together. Um, sat at his table and got to chit chat and had some beers after hours and talked a lot about the truck and just, just really cool guy. Super down to earth. Very down to earth. Good, good. Okay. And uh, and that's and a big back seat, by the way. It is a big back seat. Three <laughs> inches more knee room in that. Yeah, we were room. able to fold your uh, fold your legs and you can. It, yeah. I was impressed with the uh, the little hidden storage cubbies yeah. behind the seat back. Yeah, that's uh, something special we put in kind of one of those Easter eggs for yeah. our customers. So one of the things I noticed driving away from our, our um, starting point was immediately how quiet the truck is, um, how good the throttle tip-in feels with the 6.2. It's very instantaneous in terms of response. The brake pedal, very linear, very low effort, not a lot of travel for a lot of braking ability, and just overall how isolated, refined, and, and quiet the ride of the new Silverado is. And I know you guys took a lot of pride in in the redesign of this truck. Tell me some of the things that went into making the truck, you know, feel so good in, in your... your t- <laughs> You're not supposed to laugh. You're just supposed to edit that out. I was I was fighting a massive head cold, <laughs> by the way. Tell, yeah. I can tell. Tell me some about your truck. I'm on I'm on day quill. No, um, I I would uh, like uh, to sh- just let me keep playing. <laughs> typical driving situations. Well, first thing, and I, you commented within I don't know if we moved 15 feet yeah. <laughs> in the gravel lot before you're talking about how much you loved it. Uh, you know, when you take 450 pounds out and you take it out in the right spots, but you leave the base structure to be really a solid uh, platform with integrated front end sheet metal, uh, the 450 pounds, it feels really nimble. Then you work with that, uh, you know, the ride the ride balance front to rear. I think we talked a lot about uh, how we balanced out the front to rear, you know, whether you're fully loaded or if you're just at uh, just at curb. You were fully loaded. <laughs> yeah, with snot. <laughs> at curb, you, know, you don't get a, a lot of pushing from the back and just a really isolated feel. And, and just that, that solid platform we're able to put it on really makes a big difference. And we're sitting here in the truck right now, and the engine's running, and it's about as silent as you can get a, a vehicle. I mean, it's incredibly quiet. Yeah, we uh, we did a lot of work with the with the engine mounting, uh, you know, the hydraulic mounts that we put there, the transmission mounts, the stiffness of the of the chassis. Even though we took ninety pounds out of the frame, we were able to we were able to make it uh, much stiffer and uh, you know give it better beaming qualities, better torsional characteristics. And then when when you do that, then you, the rubber bits that you put around, and we talked a lot about yeah. uh, the cab hydraulic mounts for the cab. Uh, for the the number one front end sheet metal mounts for the engine mounts, you can really let the rubber work and really gives the engineers the ability to tune them at that point in time. Yeah, and so you were talking about the integrated front sheet metal on this truck as yeah. being one of the advances that you made. And one of the things I can tell our listeners is just how amazingly stiff the chassis feels. No creaks, no rattles, no secondary body on frame vibrations. Um, tell us a little bit about how the, uh, the the body structures changed, and that integrated sheet metal has gone to help stiffen things up while keeping it light. Yeah, you know we add add that integrated front end sheet metal up on at the front end, and you're able to then 
you know, not have to take the load of the front end through the hinge pillars and through the hinge. It's all integrated right into the cab, right right from the get-go. So you're able to take out a bunch of mass up front then also, probably, I don't know, 15 to 30 pounds uh, just in not having the bolts welding it together as well as then as that integrated front end sheet metal comes back through the cab the different we have seven different steels that we've put into the into the cab put the right stiffness our mixed material strategy uh, where you need it the right quality of material and then uh, lastly you know you talked about uh, creaks and noises when you have that material and you're able to put slip planes in you're able to keep your dimensional quality a lot better the the new truck, the new Silverado, uh, right out of the chute has a great dimensional character. Do you just feel like an idiot sitting next to him? Yeah, I basically, I know what he's saying. The guy but is so sharp. No, su- super smart guy. I mean, you don't get to be he's in an that engineer, job. He's an engineer's yeah. engineer. Yeah, right. You don't get to be in that job by not being incredibly intelligent. <laughs> so the parts that get attached to it, they fit, and they fit well and are well integrated. And this truck features triple seal doors. You have really tight body gaps. Um, you know, one of the things I noticed is just how close the, the doors and the sheet metal line up and, and how that must help with wind noise and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, seal margins and having triple seals. You do a good job of faking it. No, my whole job. You can, dude, you got to realize that the hardest part about being a journalist is you have to distill engineer speak and then write it for the common guy. So over 20 years of doing this, you end up learning, it's basically like a 20-year engineering degree class, right? Like, I'm not going to say I can go out and engineer, but actually know what they're talking about. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. We talked a lot about the mirrors, you know, the bigger mirror, but um, also no longer on yeah. the door. Yeah, and and if, if, if you haven't seen a new Silverado, um, the mirrors on the new truck are more like maybe a Corvette or something. So they're not attached to the A-pillar at the, at the window side glass. They're actually mounted to the door below. So there's a gap between the the mirror and the body. What that allows is it takes some of that wind noise and takes it away from the body, but also gives you a little bit of uh, visibility between the mirror and the body of the truck just to help in those tight uh, parking lot maneuvers and things like that. Did you like that? Did you like that quality? You know, it's funny. When, it's a little unique. Yeah, yeah. So when we first saw the truck, so so Chevy showed the truck at the Texas, at a Texas- State uh, Fair? Uh, no, I think it was before that. It was a consumer event that they did at the Texas Motor Speedway. And they flew it in on helicopter. To, you could take pictures, and then they flew it away. What? And that was it. So they had wait, a bunch wait, of wait. owners. Yeah. It was suspended or Yeah, suspended or? on a platform, and like a CH-47 Chinook came in. Was like here's your Wait truck. a minute, I did see that yeah. press. Yeah, I saw that. Okay, press so day. that okay. was the first time that anybody had seen it, and then we saw it at Detroit Auto Show at the media reveal. And honestly, I, I thought the design for the new truck was a little bit polarizing. I wasn't sure if I liked it. Um, the mirrors, I I I wasn't a hundred percent sure about. But honestly, after driving them, they're located in the perfect spot. So so the nice thing about that design for for door glass. So your typical truck might have two stocks sticking out of like the door where the glass is, right? Um, or a single thicker stock with a mirror on the end of it. Well, the way GM has done is they've taken that stock and they've mounted it to the door like a Corvette. So it's not mounted up by the window. It's actually mounted below the belt line. What that does is, again, like we were talking about, it takes away wind noise and moves it down below the door rather than putting it where the glass is. So now you get a quieter ride. But also, because you don't have any structure there holding up the mirror, when you're turning or parking, you can see straight between the mirror and the body. And oh. so it adds a little additional visibility, which was nice. Yeah, and we did a lot of wind tunnel. We have a, a miniature wind tunnel that just looks at, uh, you know, the shedding vortices of of the mirrors to make sure that they're not too loud. And also that, uh, you know, we want, it, want the truck to just to use them and not even know they're there. 
aerodynamically or acoustically? Well, the truck that we're in now, this is a 6.2 truck. Uh, it's 420 horsepower. Sure, that sounds about right. All right, and uh, this has the 10-speed automatic. You can also get the 5.3 yep. with the 8-speed automatic. Um, there's also a 6-speed and some of the lower trim levels available. Um, and then the diesel's coming out soon, and we have the 2.7-liter turbocharged four-cylinder, which is going to be another option on this truck. Um, but specifically to the 6.2 10-speed trim that we just drove, and we're going to get behind the wheel of the, the Trail Boss with 5.3s this afternoon, um, I was really impressed with how well the truck handled, how flat it was in corners, the limited amount of head toss, um, the fact that there's not a lot of, again, the secondary body-on-frame jiggles and, and whatnot. But the steering is is very linear, good feedback for e-pass system. Um, it doesn't feel over-boosted. The brakes feel great. Um, throttle, again, everything just feels really well um, engineered together, and it feels like you guys spend a lot of time and details on those driver interfaces. Yeah, we, we put a lot of miles on. Uh, I've been driving them for probably six, eight months now as a as a daily driver, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. we got a great uh, team of engineers. That's something from Silverado that we've always been really good at is integrating all the bits and pieces. And when you start with a really solid platform, it really allows to take it up to the to the next level. We spend a we spend a lot of time. We spend a lot of time at our proving grounds. We have them, quite frankly, all over the world that where we're driving them. We spent a lot of time out east and and uh, do a, a lot of ride trips. We're we're our own, uh, you know critics and really focus on the customer and the guys have really done a great job to to integrate it all together to make it a seamless feel i think you know you feel at at one with it it's, it's predictable as we're coming through the mountains here yeah uh through idaho and wyoming and yeah, that's a good point we weren't on the freeway we were driving on two lane mountain roads yeah. to really get a feel for how this truck feels on the transitions and and how the suspension's working yeah, and you know, very linear, linear, very predictable. Uh, you know, it's fun sitting back and and just watching you guys drive and and have a good time, and it's, it's relaxing. Yeah, you know? uh, I think this truck. One of the things that's great is it's very easy to drive. It doesn't feel big. So what was really cool is, uh, you know, most of the times you go on these things, you partner up with somebody, right? And they'll put a PR person or a handler or, or somebody in the car. Uh, so Jason Goderman from Truck Trend, he and I uh, go on a lot of these trips together. So naturally, we'll partner up and share notes and all that. So I drove a Porsche. Jason drove a Porsche. Uh, one of you our drove Porsches? Yes, that doesn't make did. any sense yeah, on a no. Por- Chevrolet ride and drive. Portions. Oh, portion. Men. Got it. Um, no, but what's really cool is typically, uh, you know, you have just somebody from the company sitting in the back. One of the PR people came up and said, would you be okay if Tim Herrick rode with you today? So <laughs> no PR people. It was literally Jason, myself, and Tim in the back. So we got this amazing one-on-one time with Tim in his new truck, which kind of gave, you know, he, we're talking and making comments, and then he's kind of giving us the backstory. And it was really cool. Really, you really could have totally kidnapped an executive from GM. We could have. And made mad money. We could have just started driving anywhere, maybe Canada. Yeah. Although I don't think they want you kidnapping people and bringing them to Canada. Yeah, probably a bad idea. <laughs> but we were in that part of the country. We could have gone somewhere. Big. It handles. It's very nimble, as you said. And now this this suspension, you guys have done a few different things. Um, this still has a coilover front shock on it, similar to the last generation truck. Uh, but in the rear, you've played with some different materials in the leaf springs, and one of those is a composite leaf spring option on certain trim levels. A, a composite second stage. Yeah. Um, and we spent a lot of time with uh, the main pack with the main uh, leaf springs and and uh, working with those how we've uh, 
manufactured them with our supplier and you know the, the angles that we've canted them at the way they interface with the axle you know everything's new there and uh i think one of our vice presidents said it best said how how it feels so integrated it's almost like magic whether the truck's fully loaded or empty it, it just how it how well it rides yeah we're gonna have a chance to drive this uh, this afternoon both on the off-road course and uh and trailer towing but definitely empty it's very impressive the dynamics the qual the quality the quietness just the overall feel the solidity or the you know, solidness of the truck everything just feels so good um right now we're sitting and in front of us is a truck that looks like it's a few inches taller than the one that we're in yeah it is and uh so that's your new off-road pack called the trail boss yes so it's yeah, got a two inch lift kit in that uh something right from the factory uh and, a, and you're talking a lift a lift suspension lift not just we put a bigger tire so it's two inches taller you yeah. mean it's in its own engineered yep. two inch system yeah designed designed to to perform two inches uh higher than than the the base suspension it gives it it gives gives it that formidable look it also uh, it gives a commanding presence in the road. It gives better off-road capability, approach angle departures, uh, ground clearance. And it's something that we, you know, we took very seriously and we did right up front that the engineers could design the suspension points with that in mind. And so that truck uses uh, the Monotube Rancho suspension yeah. on it, yes. as well as uh, has Duratrack tires and, again, sits up a little higher, has a, a rear locker, um, and, and all the goodies that you want in an off-road truck, but not just a sticker and badge package. It's a, definitely an engineered uh, piece of the Silverado family. Yeah, it gives you performance. Um, one of the things I know people will be interested in is if you can actually... Seriously, who's getting all the messages during this thing? Dude, that's your laptop again. It's not my laptop. Yeah, that's the only thing. I thought thing. it was dur during... You're not getting messages sitting in the car with him? Oh, maybe that was his phone. I think it's his phone. Oh, you know what? I think I, I do remember. I think that... It so obviously a busy guy. Wait, so you did kidnap him? Yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> where are you? I pulled him off to the side, and I was like, "Hey, uh, let's let's do a quick podcast interview." And by the way, he loved coming on the first time. He's like, "Yeah, absolutely." So he like shunned people in order to talk to our podcast listeners, which I thought was really cool. That is cool. Yeah. Okay. A bigger tire on that truck, if you wanted to, if if you wanted to squeeze a thirty four or thirty five, it is two inches taller. The new Silverado has big wheel wells, and and they're not trapezoidal. They're a lot more rounded than they used to be, giving you that a lot of that wheel well space. Um, without any official endorsement, if uh, you, you tried can, this last night if you can, dinner. if you can wink twice, <laughs> if that's a possibility, uh, can you fit a bigger tire on the Trail Boss? I think people should buy a bunch of them and try it. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, I'm going to personally say I think you can do it, and uh, and and uh, I think I think Tim just winked twice, so I'm going to say that. Uh, I got sunglasses on. You can't <laughs> see. <laughs> um, will you be able to buy that lift kit from the dealership to put on a yeah. non-trail boss? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Full warranty and everything. Everything. Wow, that is that's pretty awesome. Um, one of the other things that I am super excited about. And it's probably the number one thing that excites <laughs> me about this truck, which is sad. Uh, it's guy. the fact that you finally fixed the frickin' steering wheel. Uh, Tim oh! Herrick is a, is a god amongst men uh, and GM engineers. And, uh, and the steering wheel, I am happy to say, is perfectly centered on the new truck. Thank you, Tim. Well, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've seen anyone so triggered by it. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad... 
So can we let it go for the next second half of the day? Yeah, yeah, I will talk about it oh, again. Okay, good. Well, I, but I'm thanking you. Put it to bed. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> very, very much. He was kind of annoyed you asked him. <laughs> uh, it's because I had brought it up the night before, and I go, okay, you told me the steering wheel is centered. He goes, I had to fight for that one. I go, why? And he's like, it's just, you know, it costs money, and there's things we have to do and priorities. But I fought for it in the steering wheel center. I'm like, can I go look? What? Sure. It's an all-new truck. Why does they have to fight I, for it? I just, I don't know. Couldn't there's I'm sure just there's legacy things with the platform or whatever. I don't know. But bottom line is, I had to bring it up for the podcast interview because we've talked about it on the podcast, right? Absolutely. I mean, you did the right <laughs> thing. You did the Lord's work. But uh, yeah. I'm just saying, like, he clearly, he's having fun with you, <laughs> but he's a little annoyed. It's obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, th- this is... Uh, this whole truck is really, uh, my impressions so far, are really great. I can't wait to talk to you guys and tell you how the uh, how the towing goes, how the off-road course goes. But from my time with Tim this morning through the mountains, um, I think that anybody who is a, a Chevy fan certainly will be very excited about the new Silverado. But I think if you drive a competitor truck, um, it's definitely going to be uh, definitely going to be worth a look. Come take a yeah, come take a look. It's worth uh, it's worth the time to get in, take it for a spin. I, once you drive it, I know I got you. Yeah, I mean the the styling is is definitely polarizing. It's a whole different thing. I know when people first saw it, it was kind of like, "Whoa, what did they do?" But seeing them out here in the wild, in the in the hill country and high country of uh, Wyoming and Idaho, um, it just looks awesome on the road. And we had a few pass us, and it's been like, "Yeah, man, that's a good looking truck." It is. Yeah, we have eight, the eight different trim levels that we talked about. We got a truck for every customer uh, at every at every price point. So. I get a chance to come on, take a look. I'm really proud to be numbered amongst a great team of uh, of uh, Chevy employees and engineers that have been able to bring this truck to market. Well, uh, well done on the new truck, and uh, thanks for spending some time with us. All right, thanks. It was my pleasure. You guys, you guys are a lot of fun. I just really impressed uh, architecturally what you know about us and and uh, know about our past trucks and our trucks going in the future. And thanks for trying to good stuff out of me today yeah yeah well i think i held my own yeah you did i'll I'll keep trying and uh and if if we can record something later with all the things after a few beers in uh i'll I'll share that with everybody all right thanks tim all right thanks i could not have done that so here's to you holman Um, i just like that he said that i was triggered (laughs) (laughs) that was was pretty funny but no tim's a tim's a great guy in fact uh i think no listen you hold on a second let me me stop down for a second you don't have to talk about tim tim's great obviously he's a pro yeah he is but you held your own i mean i I think that i give you a hard time a lot but you 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 talk the talk and you walk the walk you know a lot about trucks, so it makes it fun for me to sit across the table from from you, and I'm wow. just I'm paying you a little tribute. So that was a uh... truck review. <laughs> yeah, rolling coal and dragging truck nuts. So, so I kind of uh... not really rolling coal or dragging. No, truck no, nuts, I know, so... but I have this idea. What if we were to get a set of truck nuts? Yeah, and we'll take it on every single review and put it on the bumper. And then after a year, they'll just be ground down and beat up. And no, I think what we need to do is we need a set of like giant paper mache truck nuts, and then we have all of our guests sign them. That's super gross. <laughs> Holman, I'm excited to talk to Jonathan Ward of Icon because I I have seen the body of his work, and it's impressive from a business standpoint. But I don't really understand what he does. It's sort of like handmade, bespoke, 
Very, very high end. For those guys who uh, didn't graduate high school, bespoke means uh, one-off vehicle for yep. one person. Yep, special edition, very you know, very caringly uh, built. But he has a bunch of different lines. So, so he's known for his FJs, right? So he started as a Toyota, Toyota guy. Yeah. Okay. He now has an Icon BR, which is his early Bronco line. Super cool. Okay. He's got his Icon TR, which is the trucks. So he does these really beautiful uh, restorations like of what. Old, like fi- mid fifties GMCs and oh. Chevys, and with like you know LS seven drivetrains and all new suspension. Basically, everything he does is a brand new vehicle. Some of them minus are, the body. There, nope. Everything he does is brand new vehicle. All of them are concourse quality. Okay. Some of them don't look that way on purpose. So that ah. would be the derelict. So he may go find a car that has earned its fifty or sixty years of patina, build everything else about it but leave the body as is. So you basically have a brand new car that looks like it's weathered the years. Those are his derelicts. And then for those who love the idea of a rebuilt vehicle but don't want a patina okay. and want like a full paint job and concourse resto, that's his Reformer series. And Reformer? So, and I, oh. <laughs> no, no, no. Reformer. Oh, Reformer. Got it. <laughs> Everything is handmade, CNC'd. He does a ton of one-off parts. What's interesting about Jonathan is he doesn't just go to the same automotive suppliers. Like, he's gone to aircraft and marine. Should we just and, call him? Yeah, let's just call. Let him explain his company. <laughs> okay, Thank you. <laughs> Hello, sir. Hello, Mr. Ward. How are you, sir? I cannot complain. How fun. Just hanging out doing a podcast, and uh, Lightning and I figured uh, you might want to come and talk to us about trucks. What's up, dude? Just living the dream. Another day, another truck. You've got a lot okay. to choose from. Hey, we have before we can talk to you, Jonathan... We have to play an intro. Everyone gets an intro. We want to know if you are more death metal or country. Hmm. Yes, those are your other choices. Yeah, those are my only choices. Those are your only choices. Yeah, you have two choices. (laughs) Country or death metal. Which one? Pick one. Country, country, country. All right, so here's your intro. Because you're the innovator moderator. And you need to step on up and uh, tell us what you're working on. Fair <laughs> enough. And look, it could have been a lot worse. I've been in a fouler term. Can you put that in our review? The intro could have been a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> Take us back to the beginning of Icon or to the beginning of TLC. You, that you started with your wife. How did that all get underway? How did you become the go-to for this particular model of Toyota? I think just by being an idiot with an opinion and not enough proper training and over uh, basically a bottle of wine in Africa without any foresaw, decided when we get home, we quit our jobs and we'd uh, give a go at turning my main passion, my hobby, into a business because, you know, at that time, no one was properly restoring old Land Cruisers or them Toyota Jeepers. You know, they would know, be like a $600 paint job and some chrome wheels and the 305 left over in the backyard from somebody's wrecked Malibu, and that was about it. But I always thought it was so well engineered and so well designed that if I just simply bought the best, educated people about all the differences throughout the years, because they looked virtually identical from 58 to 83, but there's massive differences, and just apply the kind of lovely, you know, detailed restoration that at that time to any two-wheel drive classic. And thank goodness I was correct. 
so people started coming to us for it, and it just kept going and growing. I mean, we opened it up with like 20 grand, five credit cards, a wing and a prayer, and 1,200 square feet with a post-it note on the door. Did you, re- did you really like, just put it all on credit cards? Oh, totally. Because they, yeah, t- I mean, I mean, own- they tell every entrepreneur, yeah, don't, don't start don't it do on that. credit cards. Yeah. Well, it was either that or like, go get hard money or get a second on my house, which I didn't want to do. So it's, uh, it's what I needed to do. And, you know, it worked out. And I was able to pay it all down and operate debt-free. And then, you know, as we got bigger, you know, we, we were in like a multi-tenant industrial complex of 1,200 square foot units. So we grew basically in units of 1,200 square feet. So at first we just had sales and then we wanted space to do the restorations and then the people we were selling to wanted somewhere they could trust to actually service them. And then we realized that Toyota dealers were stocking hardly any parts, less and less every day and to this day. And then we started realizing we needed a parts department. And basically that property by the end of it it ended up at a, it was like a hamster habitat because we had to like bounce around other tenants or blow a hole through the wall to get through the backside. Or, and we just, uh, we're totally out of space at about 13,000 square feet. And then Toyota came to me, actually literally Mr. Toyota came to the shop and asked me to do first one and then three of the early development concepts for what became the FJ Cruiser. So wait a minute, we, we pause you right there. So Mr. Toyota with its Toyota with a D, right? Wasn't Toyota yep. originally before it came to the States, Toyota, Toyota with a D and then they made it? Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. So, yep. They but he was, it, they thought it would read silly and graphically made better sense with a T. T. So, all right. So Mr. Toyota comes to your, your shop. How, why, yep. how does he find out about you? Like how, that is just, you, that, he's the president of Toyota. Yeah, and at that time he wasn't, but they were grooming him for it. He was running Numi, the the collaboration between GM and Toyota. But yeah, I mean, we, we you know, first we we're just, whatever, doing them for private people. And then word started to spread about what we were up to. And actually, if my memory serves, you were part of that word spreading way back in the day. Thank you very much. Yeah. It was one of the coolest so, things when uh, when we first got to play with all of those concepts and the, and the, and the prototypes that were built when they finally did a media tour of them. I think that's really what kind of forced Toyota's hand in saying there's real genuine interest out here. Um, and that, I mean, what... Holman, what, which magazine were you at at the time? Uh, it might have been four-wheeler. Okay. So uh, Yeah, I, I, I think it was. Was this, this was like early 2000s, right, Jonathan? Something like that? Yeah, exactly. This would have been around 2000 when, when we were making the move. Uh, yeah, probably Three, four? Yeah, like 2003, yeah. four and five was yep. development time, yeah. The people were, you know, were just doing it for regular Joes, and then regular Joe started telling his regular Joe that maybe owned a Toyota dealership. We started owning for Toyota dealers and distributors, and literally one day I just got a cold call from Mr. Toyota's office, and I was like, "Whoa! I didn't even know there was a Mr. <laughs> Toyota." It was like it was like God calling the church. Wait, is know? that like when you pick up the phone? They say, "Please hold for Mr. Toyota," and you're like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, totally. And then, like at first, I was like, "Oh, this is some sort of BS." Whatever, but <laughs> I like his analogy. Yeah, I mean, by the way, his analogy is like God calling church. <laughs> yeah, right. it really was. Yeah. Hold for God, please. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really odd, but uh, yeah, he came and visited, and, and basically, what we what we ended up gathering was that Toyota was seeing Land Rover just kill it with heritage branding and marketing, and talking talking about their past successes. 
But Toyota, just structurally, I mean, pretty much any Japanese business culture has a really hard time with that language. It's, it's like, it's just not cool. You always talk about next, the future, moving forward, you know? So they understood that we had our fingers on the pulse of the demographic they were trying to reconnect with. Meanwhile, they thought we were completely nuts, and they thought our customers were completely nuts. Why on earth would these people spend all this time and money to fix an old Toyota? It just it was entirely irrational to them. But I think part of part of them realizing that in turn gave them the clarity that we might be good people to work with. So obviously I was stoked to have the opportunity. So we kind of dropped everything and uh, sequestered our employees and closed off a little corner of the shop, and I just knocked it out. And then they were happy with that first one, so then we, they did two more. But then, you know, once they finished and they picked their favorite, and then they took it off to their normal internal design channels, like Calty, their design studio here in Southern Cal, I saw quite quickly that it was turning into something completely different. And it left me really yearning to revisit those ideas that I had in my way, you know? So I, I had other concepts I wanted to integrate. So I went back to Toyota and said, hey, I have this idea for this new brand I want to start. It's called Icon, and I want to celebrate your history and the history of various OEMs. Like, not, oh gosh, these guys suck. They did such a foul job. Aren't we great? But these were so beautifully done back in the day. Let's simply revisit them for the modern world. So we got Toyota's blessing, and that's literally how Icon started. And then I went back into that same hole in the wall. I built the truck that was keeping me up at nights, kind of rattling around like a 3D model in my head at night. And uh, I was happy until I went back and then did the math of what the bugger actually would have to cost. And I went into a total tailspin. I mean, no one's going to tolerate this. This sucks. What am I going to do? Should I run a fiberglass body? Should I run cheaper axles? Like, what corners do I need to well, what, 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 Jonathan, what were you looking at price-wise? Back then, it was like 110 Oh, wow. Okay. And, and back then, yeah. so 110 if if you're trying to figure out, like, what might have been available that was in that price... Back then, you could get a Hummer H1, and I think that's right before the Alphas came out. So I remember like, oh, 05-ish, maybe 06, a Hummer H1 Alpha wagon, so full hardtop, went between about 125 and 140. So that was sort of like people who had the money who wanted something sort of unique, different, bespoke, whatever, sort of went after the Hummer H1. So what Jonathan was doing was like this whole other segment that it was really white space. It hadn't really existed for the off-road market before uh, in the totally. vehicles. Yeah, I mean, everyone thought I was nuts. I mean, the complex we were in had a like a, a pool, like a football bet on their wall in one of the places, betting which month we would go belly up. <laughs> so, I mean, but 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 I think realistically, right? Because, it, like you said, there was no established model or market for doing such. At that point, it just that was completely out of the question. But I, I talked to a couple friends that, and, that I've always kind of leaned on that are smarter than me and really good with brand, and, and they all kind of unanimously said, well, you're an idiot, just do it. Build it and they will come. If you start making compromises, if you start changing and cutting back on things, they knew me well enough to know that means I would really pretty much lose passion and interest for it, and then it would suck just by nature of that. So I said, all right. I stuck with it. 
and I shoestring launched the brand, like literally designed my own ads and used tons of favors with photographers and buddies to try and create the brand image and the language of what we wanted to do. And then the style of it, you know, it's still very similar to the third gen FJs that we're on now that we do in four body styles. And it was just the FJ40. But I, I understood that a big part of it was that restoration shops, for the most part, then there wasn't much of super specialized. Like, you would just wait for the phone to ring, and if they had an MG or a Maserati or a Mustang, you didn't care. You just needed the work, and you did it, which kind of made it, I thought, from a branding perspective, like really difficult because you, you, you can't communicate a clear language or expertise. So when I designed it, like it had a very distinct look from the powder coat body to all the trim because I also knew that people needed a different aesthetic on the same tradition to understand that the way we were engineering them and approaching them mechanically hadn't been done before really either. And it, it I think it made it easier for, for people to digest. If you're going to spend that kind of money and your neighbor has a restored FJ, you want to be able to show why your icon FJ is so much better. Why did you spend the extra money? Where, what's the attention and detail? I know Jonathan, you and I have known each other for a long time. And, and I would say there may not be another person out there who's doing this type of stuff that has the attention to detail that you do in, in your quest to perfect everything, including down to the very hardware that you attach the parts to. Yeah, totally. I think they're out there, but most of them are in a padded room somewhere and they won't let me hear <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's what it's always been about for me. Ever since I was a little kid, I've always been a geek for surfaces and, and textiles and metals and processes. And also, I felt at that time, and that was part of what developed Icon, was that the automotive industry on the supplier chain, at least, was like a complete whorehouse. It was all about the cheapest possible solution. And like, eh, at the end of the day, it's just, it's not up to par, but it was built to a price point that they perceived there'd be a market for. So I knew that enough and that irked me enough to give me the strength and the confidence to say, well, Icon doesn't want to be about that. None of my supplied content is. I mean, I went to aerospace, military, rail car, marine to get out of the status quo and trans. So I should have, uh, I should have the guts to, to stand strong with the brand, and I did, and thank goodness people started buying them. And what was more inspiring was they would not buy the base model. They'd click every box I offered them when it came <laughs> yeah. to options. And then, to this day, push me to evolve and go, hey, well, have you thought, you know, what about a this? What about a that? Well, have you thought about a four-door? You know, and just really, really helped uh, give me the confidence that we were on to something to keep pushing the limits and, and keep going and growing, which is really the core ethic of the brand is, is to kind of never sit still and, and keep pushing and keep evolving and go, go, go. I mean, like that first one had ecliptic leaf springs all the way around. So it still rode like a horse buggy. And then <laughs> like the first 12 trucks that I did, cause TLC was still going strong and, and doing fine. So I took all the money that we made from those first 12 and reinvested it immediately back into the truck this time focusing on evolving the chassis and the steering dynamics. So that was what we called Gen 2, and then we just keep tweaking and geeking. And 
I think you know me well enough to know what a massive hate I have for synthetics and plastics. Okay, so, so I was gonna I was going to tell this story <laughs> because I think this exemplifies who you are as a person and who you are as a designer and a business owner. I, I think it's a simple story, but it's one where people go, okay, I think I get it now. There was a plastic motorhome mirror, I believe, that you had, and you were sick and tired. A plastic motorhome mirror? Yeah, and, uh, and Jonathan didn't like it. So he designed, engineered, and built a billet mirror, one-off, because he was tired of just a cheap-ass plastic mirror hanging off his expensive motorhome. Is that right, Jonathan? Was it was a motorhome? Yeah, it's true. I mean, <laughs> it was a friend's motorhome that okay. I would frequently steal that it just, every time I looked in it, it just chided my ass. But the reality is, is motorhomes are massive piles of plastic and formaldehyde and plywood and God knows what. They're typically made um, just of junk, absolute yeah. junk. Yeah, yeah and expensive junk, junk, junk. junk. And I kept looking, but, you know, the mirror just really irked me. <laughs> so we did those uh, D200 uh, crew cab power wagons uh, with Icon as part of our Reformer series, all the one-offs. And same deal. Like, I wanted that old school, like, that they'd sell at, like, U-Haul, <laughs> like, school bus mirror. But they're just so chintzy now. They've been so dumbed down in, in how they're manufactured that we ended up CNCing the whole damn thing out of stainless. CNC the and mirror they, they out of stainless. Cool. <laughs> like, understand yeah. this. He, he had perfectly good he a lot of tools. plastic <laughs> mirrors, and then he went and made a set. And I want to say, I, I think if I remember correctly... I remember you posting that on, I think it was Facebook at the time. It's sort of like a, a like half joke, half not. Like, I'm really sick of these mirrors, so I just went out and made my own. And then everybody was like, that's so Jonathan. And then you started getting phone calls where people with motorhomes were like, I need those mirrors for my motorhome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you sell any? Good fun. No, because I suck at selling parts. <laughs> I, I, I probably should. There's, there's a good business model in there somewhere. But uh, nah, I like doing, I like coming up with the, the whole design, like the continuity and bringing in all the different elements from different industries and making them cohesively work visually and then geeking out on the full mechanical. I just like that whole sort of Frankenstein reimagining, like really transcending a vehicle. And my favorite to this day is when the donor vehicle for like the one-offs, like we just did this GMC uh, derelict pickup 49 and when we bought it it was running and driving so i commuted i got like an 18 mile commute for three or four days and just to remind myself how what uh, like pure martyrdom it is to drive one of those <laughs> archaic trucks but also then that that kind of reinvigorates me when i'm done and when it's done and it has hydro boosted brembos and 440 horse ls3 and independent suspension all the way around like how massively you can evolve a vehicle. The with enjoyability the goes up, right? So you kind of get best of oh, both worlds. You get the aesthetic absolutely. of an old truck that you absolutely have always loved, the lines, the design, the craftsmanship, the attention to detail, but you now get it with the same comfort and NVH ride and handling that you expect from a modern truck, and you really win on both ends. So now this the Derelict is its own company now? Explain me, or how does that work no. into the general mix? Yeah, we're probably totally losing all your listeners, so I'll back up a little <laughs> bit. So we, we we launched with the FJ40. We got we weren't smart. We were lucky because we we finished it and had it ready to rock right as Toyota was releasing 
the FJ Cruiser, which meant we became quite often the little sidebar story next to the feature on the Toyota, which really helped sort of get our word out there and get us rolling. So we eventually added three more body styles, the FJ45 pickup, which is super cool and was only available in the U.S. from 63 to 67, then an FJ43, which is a longer wheelbase two-door, and then our four-door that we just totally made up called the FJ44, that's a six-passenger four-door version of the FJ. And then we just kind of kept rolling and going. I mean, so now we have the Bronco um, that we did uh, at Ford's request with friends at Nike, helped us, and we, we collaborated on the design uh, process. And then the Thriftmaster, based on the 47 to 53 Chevy pickup. Which are badass, and by the way. Oh, my God. Yeah, are those they're badass. so much fun. So that's like our quote-unquote production models that we repeat. So like the FJ, we're on, uh, I don't know, 150. Bronco, we're on unit 70. Thriftmaster, I think we're on 15. But then I kind of get bored. So like once it's up and going and rolling, like I'm like, okay, what's the next complete cluster F that I can get myself into? <laughs> like, <laughs> so then we started, um, I built a car that was just for myself, for my kids, for surfing, skate parks, and dogs, where... I think it's clear by now I have zero patience for archaic mechanical systems, but a deep love for the vintage aesthetics. So I'm like, all right, I want a station wagon, vintage, but I'm not going to restore it cosmetically because I don't want to yell at my kids when they hit it with the skateboard or the dog scratch up the interior. Like, I just want to run it and not worry about it, but I'm going to go completely balls out on it mechanically. So specifically, that, that's the one that got, was on the cover of Hot Rod. It, it ran, runs, it's, I still own it, a 6.1 Hemi SRT8, fuel-y, uh, five-speed auto, uh, hydro-boosted discs all the way around, independent suspension front, four-link rear. But it completely looks like crap. I mean, it looks like it, it doesn't run. <laughs> it's abandoned. But it, it goes like crazy. So it wasn't until I finished that that I, I, people started digging it and started getting some love in, in the public and it shows and stuff, that I realized, well, I could keep doing these. These are fun. And in essence, right, it's still the same, back to the church analogy, right, it's, it's like still the same religion as Icon, what we do. It's just a different flip on that, a different tweak on classic design, modern performance, so then we just started building those. Do you find on the derelicts donors that are already patinaed that have straight bodies and no rust, or do you guys actually patina them uh, yourselves in order to get the aesthetic? No, I hate that. To me, that's always that just kills the story and, and, and usually looks it just jumps the shark. Now that being said, I do cheat a fender here or a rust hole there on occasion if the rest of the cars timer and patina is just so stupid cool like this gmc pickup we just finished it uh, we bought it on craigslist it was a unbelievable patina super cool old farm truck but then the guy thought he was going to start restoring it himself and he literally went so far as to like acid strip the tailgate and rear fenders and rattle can home depot primer but the rest of the patina was just insane so yeah we actually that's the one you sent us right yeah, so that patina on the tailgate and rear fenders is made by us like two months ago versus the rest of it is honest 1949 paint. That's so by you doing all this, by you kind of gobbling up these vehicles, 
is it driving your own price up? I mean, it's got to be hard to find some of these old trucks now. I mean, on the one-off, it's not because I'm not making an impact, and I'm on Craigslist like everybody else. But on the Icon vehicles. Oh, God, I'm screwed. Yeah, the Broncos, the second we launched the Bronco, uh, we immediately had that problem. So, I mean, we're paying today triple what we paid for the given Bronco uh, versus when we started. Wow. But it is what it is. Do you know where the very first one is of of the Icon or of the FJ line or your very first bill? Yeah, I still know where FJ number one is. And Bronco number one, I don't. I know where number two is. I wonder where it is. It'll it'll rear up is, one day. Is FJ number park. one in a good spot? Yeah, yeah. The guy loves it. I think he's got like fifty, sixty thousand miles on it so wow. far. <laughs> well, that just goes yeah, to show you how drivable they are, right? I mean, you're you're reinventing the machine in order to, to for the joy of driving. I mean, they're not made to be museum pieces, although the quality and the finish is definitely museum or concourse quality. But they're it's designed like for people of, to enjoy. Oh, totally. It's the entire point, but. Uh, I am a little disappointed when people will buy them and then, you know, a year will go by and, like, their car guy, not even they, will reach out to us and say, ah, well, yeah, it's, you know, he bought a McLaren. It's, you know, we're going to sell it. And it's like a boy toy. It's like a trophy. And they play with it, you know, for a couple weeks a year when they're at that house or whatever. <laughs> and they send it back, like, two or three years later with 1,500 miles on it. I'd much rather have one come back completely beat to shit and <laughs> full of stories and history and experience and and just I, it it sh- the whole point is it should be making memories, not sitting in some man cave somewhere looking pretty next to something else that is. You really have very little control over that, right? Or do you act, do you interview? Because there are some people that make specialty vehicles that actually interview their customers and say not interested in you know. The classic story where Jesse James wouldn't sell the motorcycle to Fred Durst, you know? It's like, no, you're a douchebag. I'm not nah. selling you a bike. No, really, I'm a star. No, <laughs> nope, not selling not you doing one. it. Bad for the brand. Yeah. I mean, I, I, part of me says that's douchey. Like, if, if I don't think the guy's going to use it, but he really gets the brand and he's polite and kind and easy to work with, of course, I need to take his money. It's a business. Now, if a guy calls and he's a complete schmo, and he's difficult, and he's a jerk, and, or he says, hey, I'm a celebrity, I should have it for free, hell yeah, I'll tell him to pound sand. <laughs> I, I encourage every business owner to do that. I'll, it took me many years to finally have, like, whatever it is that I eventually got, to be able to understand it's okay to say no, or to literally fire a client. It's one thing to ask for a 1000 bucks in parts, but has someone asked you for an entire vehicle for free? Oh, hell yeah. That's so Celebrities that's and so production companies. Wow. Yeah, well, but a produc- again, like a you production said it, company, I can maybe see if they say, oh, it's going in the new Transformers movie, and you can use that for marketing, and it's worth a million dollars in ads and blah, blah, blah. I could, I could see maybe. maybe a business case for that. Maybe. But if it's going to go in the producer's garage, <laughs> then no. Then, but again, you're talking about, like you said, it's an industry that the, these individuals are surrounded by yes people, so it doesn't even seem audacious to make that call. Yeah, I mean... They get stuff given them oh, all the time. I can just My think- wife, Jamie, I think, really nailed it. It's like, this only works well one way, and that's if we love to 
have the opportunity and to create this for you, and if you love that we're creating this for you. It's that simple. If it falls out of that equation, then it's not fun anymore, and at least while I have the luxury of being able to have enough business to pick and choose, I'm executing the option as long as I can get away with it. Is there a truck, Jonathan, that you've always wanted and have not found? Uh, 37 Studebaker Starlight. Oh, wait, not Starlight. That's the, that's the later coupe. But the Studebaker Express pickup. I'm, I'd love to find one with just that kick-ass perfect. <laughs> He's never thought about it. I, do, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, no, I love the fact, yeah, right, he just lasered right in on it. <laughs> 40s, I got another one for you, 46 Hudson Big Boy. But I actually did finally find a really good one. Now I'm trying to talk a client into building it. It's in my little hoard, awaiting attention. Those are probably my favorite because they had such distinct design language of that time. And then I've owned several, but uh, I want to do more projects in that 65 F-150, F-250. There's something about the lines of that truck. We did a crew cab one about a year ago that was magical. But I actually want to do, uh, I'd like to take a Raptor and chop it up and take a uh, short bed slab side 65 Ooh, F250. There you go. That and would match be cool. those two up. That'd be damn fun. The uh, the crew cab Fords of that era were interesting because they were fleet only. You could only get them for government and so a lot of yeah. fire departments and forestry yeah. service. So most of those trucks, A, they're somewhat hard to find, but they usually lived a pretty hard life because they were work trucks. Nobody nobody owned one of them that that's, had it in their driveway. They were out in the field yeah. and tugging and pulling. So th- there's always a story with those. I think one of my favorite trucks that you did was the 65 D200 uh, that you worked with Gail Banks on that was at SEMA a few years ago, the white one, the white Dodge Crew Cab. When we were hunting for those, we thought they were hard to find. You can find 10 of, 20 of those per one Ford Crew Cab of that era. That's how wow. rare the Fords are. They're huh. crazy rare. You guys had, uh, I, I think it was, the, I can't remember what the Banks product was, but uh, it was the screen that controlled all the diesel stuff, but you made like a pocket in the dash where it motored up out of the dash, so the dash yeah, was completely stopped. Yes, yes. Oh man, I thought that was so, so cool. So what did wait? You lost me. What did it do? So I had linear actuators underneath the stock dash top ashtray that had a heat sensing button on the face of the dash that you couldn't see, so you would just swipe a portion of the painted dash. And then the ashtray on the actuators would come straight up. And then you had the Ganks interface for tow mode or efficiency or watching your exhaust gas temp or whatever. That's what I'm talking about, attention to detail. I mean, that's crazy stuff. It's not just a body shop that made it pretty. Like, Jonathan's engineering things into these vehicles and... And I mean, honestly, I've I've seen a lot of them, and I've never been disappointed by. Any what of does them. your shop look like, Jonathan? Is it do you have a guy, full time CAD guy? Then you've got you know, like what does it look like if I walk in? If 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 I was lucky enough to get a tour, so you're welcome to come anytime. It's uh, eighty thousand square feet, uh, fifty two employees, in house, uh, two engineers in house, uh, mechanical engineers, one electrical engineer. Those two MEs are uh, the CAD monkeys as well, as am I. I do a fair amount of the CAD myself. And then the rest are either management and project managers uh, or technicians and fabricators and on and on. And then in-house we have 5-axis CNC, laser, HD plasma pattern tables, all the way through to like turn of the 
1900s, you know, English wheels and planishing hammers and texto punches. And what we do requires a massive mashup of tech, both vintage and new. And then for prototyping, you know, we, we 3D print, but only for fit samples. I, I don't have one of the killer half million or million dollar machines where I can print metal. That would be fun. I'm kind of curious really if... Um if you have seen one of your creations cross the block at like a Bear, a Bear Jackson, a Mika, something like that, and what was the most expensive that one of your vehicles went for in the wild? Not from the original transaction of you to the owner, but has maybe appraised and surprised you that maybe it was worth that value. Have you seen that happen? Yeah. the um, Actually, I don't think any icon is sold at auction, but a couple of um, TLCs, uh, really nice, real, or higher-end restorations, have ended up at Barrett or whatever different auctions, which personally, conceptually, always made me nervous because I generally feel that most auction cars are kind of dolled up and the lipstick's on the pig for the auction. So I always worried that people wouldn't understand the depth of the quality. But, uh, God, the two FJs, and they were older ones. They were five or six, seven years old, and they all sold for more than they originally sold for. And the Icon resale values are just, I think, almost overinflated if we're not selling them. Like, they retain their value really well, but I've had several private clients sell them on their own for more than they paid for them because people don't want to wait. And there's like a year and a half to two-year wait on average for an FJ or a Bronco. And time is money, and I guess if you have enough money, you you buy the time and just buy one <laughs> so, and done, you know. And so what about a, a derelict or reformer or a one-off? What what's the typical weight on something like that? Uh, right now, for uh, oh yeah, we should probably clue people in on what a reformer is. So on the derelicts, some people are like, I love the modern and the vintage, but why on earth would I spend all that time on something that looks like crap? <laughs> so for them, we're like, oh well, then we'll redesign them and restore them concourse, and then we call those reformers. So like the, ah. the Ford and the Dodge and all those shiny one-offs are, are reformers. But um, very few have ever traded. I mean, that white Dodge, Yeah, uh, that one resold two times, and I think the original build cost on that was about 360 Ooh. The first retail was at 310 in like 48 hours, and then the second resale was at 360 also within like a day or two. Whoa. And uh, derelict-wise, though, I, yeah, there was a Buick. I did a 50 Buick convertible uh, that was kick-ass, a Roadmaster with an LS7, and that one traded hands for probably about 20% less than the build cost, which is probably the lowest I've seen, but... Again, in our space, that's amazing because in the world of Johnny Cash cars, as I call them, <laughs> um, you know, parts and pieces, that song where he takes all yeah. the parts out yeah, of the factory. Yeah, 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 one at a time. Yeah. You know, in that world, generally, the, you're screwed. You go to resell it. It's just an absolute train wreck. So I like seeing that people understand them and respect the depth of uh, work that goes into them, and, and they're holding up. I hope one day they're really, you know, I tr- personally like to view them somewhat maybe arrogantly as like highly functioning sculptures. To me, they are works of art. No, no, it just, that's what they are. And if people get it, great. If they don't, no worries. But I'd love to see that, you know, long-term when I'm long and gone 50 years, someone sees one of them, hopefully, and, oh, is that an icon? You know, that would just, 
I'd get a kick out of that right from this guy. You're going to see that. It's going to happen. Below. So so if I want to see that today, uh, icon4x4.com? Yeah. And, and what uh, what's your social handles? Uh, it's, uh, let's see, Instagram is really my favorite, which is uh, icon4x4. And then Facebook as well, or my name, Jonathan Ward, on Facebook. But kind of over all the social media, except for Instagram, it's just been such a great community. And it's all visual, which is really what we're all about. Jonathan Ward, Icon 4x4. And wow, impressive. Thank you very much for uh, making time for us. This has been special. Appreciate that. Cool. Well, thanks for caring. I appreciate it. Hope to see you soon. Yeah. Right, Jonathan, thanks congratulations on all the success and the hard work, man. Just very Thank impressive. Thank you so much. Very inspiring. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jonathan. All right, see talk you to you soon. See ya. Okay. Bye. Damn good show, dude. Congrats. Man, we had a lot of good guests today. Yeah. Randy, Jonathan, what's new in trucks? Talking about the 2019 Silverado. Hey, send your email. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. I feel like I squeezed that in there a little too tight. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget on our socials at Truckshowpodcast. Hey, and uh, we need to thank... Our proud sponsor, Nissan. Our presenting sponsor, Nissan. Absolutely. Without them, no truck show. Ain't no truck show. <laughs>